Thank you, Andy. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you this morning, and uh, thank you for those that have been leading our time together. I, I certainly found uh, it a very helpful time. You know those moments where we come to take on the two minutes of remembrance, uh, and to see and hear the story of particular names of people makes it more real somehow, doesn't it? And it brings it fresher to our minds, the sacrifice that people made. Um, and it was great through our sung time of worship, so thank you to the, to, the, to the band for leading us through that. And it's been an exciting week, a good week generally. You know, the, the hub and the cafe is fantastic. Let me recommend it. Uh, and I can recommend the sausage, bacon, and egg roll as well. It's, uh, it's very good for you as well, I think. Uh, I certainly found it very good for me. So uh, do try and go along there if you haven't already. But thank you to those of you that have worked so hard at that. And our opportunity to try and reach out into a community, a new ministry for us. It's exciting times. Well, I want to start this morning um, by just telling you about a new book that has come out. It's called The Scotland Yard Puzzle Book by Sinclair Mackay. Um, uh, and it's, it's based on 1930s exam questions for aspiring detectives. And, and so I've got a few questions of those. Steve, I, I'm sure you'll get them straight away. Steve, Peter, and Neil, and uh, uh, I don't think David's here this morning. But here are some of the questions that came up from there. So the first thing is, can you recognize those two keys that are exactly the same? That was the kind of test that they would have to do. I think you probably need to be closer to them than you are right now. So I'm not going to um, make you try and do this one. Here's another one, though. Um, there are six glasses in a row. Three of them are filled and three of them aren't. By just touching one glass, how can you get them so that there is a whole line alternatively filled between full and empty? Uh, the idea of these is the sort of detectives you want are people who can think in different ways around these. Some people are trying to work it out. Oh, Jason, you think you've got it? Well done. Yes, an aspiring detective there. So you take the fourth glass along, you lift it up, you pour the contents into the first glass, and then you return the fourth glass back to where it was, which is now empty. Okay, some of you are still looking confused. <laughs> we'll move on from there. Uh, this is the last one that I'll, I'll show you. Uh, this was a question about, you've got two egg timers, a nine-minute one and a five-minute one. How do you get it for 13 minutes just using those two implements? Jason thinks he knows again, yeah? No? No? Sure. Yes, Suzanne? Right. You're close. You're close. You're close. If you run the nine-minute and the five-minute one at the same time, uh, and then um, when you, the five-minute one runs out, you turn it back over immediately, and when the nine-minute one runs out, you've got four extra minutes. And so you turn 
so the five minute one would still have one minute left and you turn it back over and you've got four minutes left. It makes sense. Some of you, some of you are getting it, some of you aren't, which is exactly the point. We, you know, with some of these things, you get some things, sometimes you don't. Do any of you remember these? How many of you got to the point where you just gave up doing it? Yes, that's most of us. How many of you tried to take the pieces out one by one and stick them back? Yes, some of you did. Uh, those different ways of doing it. You know, with these puzzles, with these kind of things that there are, um, sometimes they get too hard and we just give up on them. Anyone been there with some of these things? You just give up. Most of us will have experienced that at one time or another. We're talking in our series about this is what I like, and we're coming to the part where it says comprehension, and by comprehension, I mean we get it, we understand it. This is what I like, to understand things. I, I like puzzles where you have to think about them for a bit, and then you get the answer, and it makes sense. I don't like it so much when you just get to that point where you think, this is impossible, I really don't get this, I'm going to give up. Uh, and actually, with puzzles and so on, that, that's fine. But there can be times in life where we get to that moment where we just think, actually, I don't get this, this is just too hard, I give up. You see, what I like is to understand everything, but when it comes to talking about the Christian faith, I want to stand and be honest this morning before you and say, not all of it makes sense all of the time. I guess I'm not alone in finding that. Um, if I asked if anyone here sometimes finds the Christian faith confusing and what's going on, would anyone agree with that? Yeah. It, it doesn't always make sense. And when we come to our reading today, as we look at what's going on, and I'll put the context around this. Chris, thank you for introducing it the way that you did um, in just putting a little bit of explanation, and I'll give a little bit more explanation a little bit later. But we see that there are people who come along who are just saying, well, this is too hard. It doesn't make sense. And there are people who turn back. Verse 60, on hearing it, on hearing Jesus' teaching, many of his disciples, this isn't the 12, this is the wider group of disciples, many of the disciples said, this is hard teaching, who can accept it? And verse 66, from this time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. What we're going to look at this morning is the idea that sometimes the Christian faith can be hard and there are two things that can come. So this is what I like. I like to understand and I like to get things, but sometimes faith can be too hard to understand. And sometimes faith can be too hard for me. In other words, by that I mean we get it, we understand it, but we don't see how it can possibly work out in our lives. It's too hard for me, this teaching. Uh, and what I hope that through this we will get to is seeing that actually part of our faith is, well, the response of Peter, who says in verse 68 and 69, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. So Peter's statement of faith there, in spite of the fact that he doesn't get everything, and sometimes life will be hard for him, but Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. 
So that's where we are heading this morning. Let me first of all just give you a little bit of context for this. For those of you that weren't here last week or for those of you that may not remember everything and could do with a bit of refreshing, John chapter 6 starts with a miracle. There are people who follow Jesus uh, to when he crosses a lake, around 5,000 men gather and um, they're hungry and Jesus has compassion on them and there is a miracle of food provision. So five small barley loaves and two small fish are enough to feed over 5,000 people, 5,000 men and the women and the children as well. And there's food left over. This is a catering miracle that has happened. Uh, And the people are amazed by it. Uh, And as they are amazed, what they want to do is they say, well, if a man can do this, this is the man we want to follow. And so they decide what we'll do is we will make him our king and we'll do it by force. We will go and try and get rid of the Roman Empire that are occupying this area. We're going to try and get rid of Herod, who is the king over this particular place. We're going to try and replace him with Jesus. Uh, And we were talking last week about how we have choices. We like to have choices. And the choice of the crowd there was to try and make Jesus into who they wanted him to be, to fit him into a particular mold. And we were saying last week, actually, we have to take care that we don't do the same of trying to fit Jesus into a particular mold of the Savior that we want. But it goes on from there. Later on, the next day, there's been another miracle as Jesus walks on water that the crowd haven't seen. The disciples, the 12, have witnessed, but no one else. Uh, And then they find him on the other side of the lake again. Uh, And they come and question him. And what what they really want now is they're asking for a sign because they're a bit confused. You you see, we wanted Jesus to be our king. That's who we identify him as being. But who are you? What have you come to do? Uh, And and Jesus says that he's not going to give them a sign like they had in the old days of manna from heaven where bread fell from heaven to feed the Israelites. So that's not what I'm going to do. He says this in verse 35. He says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. And so last week we were saying, um, as Jesus identified himself as the bread of life, that actually we can look for our happiness, our satisfaction in many different places. But what Jesus is telling us is that actually the only true place to find satisfaction, where we will no longer be hungry or thirsty for anything, is when we have him as the bread of life. This needs to be our choice. That's where we got to last week. But the conversation goes on from there. Uh, And if they have been um, startled and confused by what has happened so far, they now become amazed at what Jesus says next. Because Jesus says in verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So not only is Jesus now identifying himself as the bread of life, he's saying, you've got to eat of my flesh. No wonder they are a little confused. Sometimes things get lost in translation. Uh, I've got a few 
pictures for you here of things that have been translated into English, which I think we might agree when we see them, something has been lost in the translation. I'm not quite sure what they did want there, but where it says, please present your octopus, I'm pretty sure that wasn't what they were actually after. Illegally parked cars will be fine. I, I suspect they meant find. Slip carefully. Finally, sorry, we are open. These are kind of things, there's something along here that I, I think there's lost, things that are lost in translation. Uh, and as Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. There's something that's lost in translation because there's the words of Jesus that he's speaking uh, and there's the way the people are hearing it and they don't quite get what Jesus is saying. The Jews begin to argue sharply amongst themselves. How can this man give us flesh to eat? How can you give someone flesh to eat? Is Jesus recommending cannibalism? That, that's what they would have been wondering. You know, the only times in their history that they would have known about cannibalism taking place was when everything was completely wrong, when there was desolation, where, um, where enemies were perhaps surrounding the place and they had no access to food. You know, you're talking about a terrible time. What's going on here? Remember, they don't hear this from this side of the cross. For those of us that are regular in church this morning and have seen communion services where we talk about taking the bread and the wine as the body and blood of Jesus, we get what he's saying. But they didn't have this. The Last Supper hasn't taken place yet. And Jesus is talking about eating of his flesh. It's hard to understand. They don't get it. What does it mean? What's he talking about? Sometimes things can be hard to understand. No wonder they say, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is hard teaching. Who can accept it? Things become hard to understand. And it may be some of us in our Christian faith find things that are hard to understand. Because there are many things about Christianity that can be difficult to get. Let's take the intellectual side of things, first of all. You know, we're talking about belief in God. You can't see God in a scientific age. How can you possibly prove that God exists? You can't do it in a scientific way. Prove that God exists. For some people, that's a stumbling block. You know, there are people who can look at the reality that there are so many different faiths, so many different ways where people claim you can get to God this way. Why should we believe in Christianity as the only way, the way, the truth, and the life? For some people, it's a stumbling block. How can I believe that? There are questions that people ask, is, uh, things like, how can I believe in a loving God when there's so much suffering in the world? How can I believe in a loving God who will send people to hell, as the Bible might tell us? How do I believe in a God when bad things happen to good people? Intellectually, these are all things that we can struggle with in our faith. How do I begin to understand and unpack all of that? 
And then there's the emotional thing that happens as well. You know, the emotional thing which says, well, um, surely when I pray for people, and when I pray for situations, things will get better and things will improve. Uh, And emotionally, I imagine that many of us will have gone through those moments where we've prayed for something, we've prayed for a situation, and far from getting better, it actually gets worse. Uh, And we will have prayed for people where we've prayed and longed for and cried out to God for healing that people might have, and it doesn't happen. And we say, but I'm sure God's powerful enough to do it. I'm sure God is there, and I don't really get it. What's going on? If you haven't been in a place yet where you said, God, I really do not understand. I don't get this. It doesn't make sense. Then I'm so happy for you, but I have to warn you, you probably will be in that place at some point. Because sometimes faith is difficult. It's hard to understand what's going on. What do we do at times like that? Well, I can't give too much of a response today on all of these different situations that I've just mentioned because we would be here, well, for hours more. But actually, we're talking about a faith. Let me just say this. This is what I really admire in the 12 who went forward at that point, and particularly in Simon Peter, who sometimes we focus on for all the wrong things that he says, all the things that he gets wrong in the Gospels. But look at this statement of faith again. I mentioned it earlier. Simon Peter answered him because many of the disciples have turned back. Some people, when they don't get these things, they turn back, they turn away. You may be here today having returned to church, having once turned away because there were things you didn't understand, things you didn't get. Praise God for that. You may be here today clinging on by the edges of your fingertips, saying, actually, I I really don't get things. I really don't understand what's happening. It's really hard, uh, and I'm not sure whether to keep going with church. Praise God that you are here today, and let me encourage you, keep on going, and try and respond as Simon Peter responds, who doesn't get everything, but some of the disciples are turning away. They're no longer following Jesus, and Jesus turns to the 12 and says, you don't want to leave as well, do you? And Simon Peter says, Lord, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, sometimes faith is a mystery. Sometimes it's confusing. Sometimes we don't know what's going on. But in our faith, our response is to say, to whom shall I go? You have the words of eternal life. And I have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. It's a response of faith that says, even though things may be going wrong, even though I may not get everything, still I am going to walk with you because I believe. And as Christians, we need to get to that place of response where we say, I believe. There will be times I'm confused. There may be times when I'm angry. There may be times when I feel like giving up, but I'm going to keep on going because I believe and have come to know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It may be too hard to understand, but we need to keep on going with a response of faith.
The second thing that I want to talk about is that sometimes we get to the point where we say, well, actually, it's just too hard for me. Um, verse 60 says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is hard teaching, who can accept it? The, there's an aspect of this which this verse is actually saying. It's not that they don't understand what's going on. It's just that they don't want to understand. They don't want to apply it to their lives. Oh, I want to just show a clip because um, uh, this is probably my favorite TV show of all time, um, a clip from Yes Minister, Yes Prime Minister. Some of you will know that. Th this is a moment where uh, Jim Hacker has made a statement in the House uh, and he's going to meet with Sir Humphrey Appleby, his civil servant. And um, well, it's about a minute long and you'll see what happens. The one question today to which I could give a clear, simple, straightforward, honest answer. Yes. Unfortunately, although the answer was indeed clear, simple and straightforward, there is some difficulty in justifiably assigning to it the fourth of the epithets you applied to the statement. <laughs> Inasmuch as the precise correlation between the information you communicated and the facts insofar as they can be determined and demonstrated is such as to cause epistemological problems <laughs> of sufficient magnitude as to lay upon the logical and semantic resources of the English language a heavier burden than they can reasonably be expected to bear. <laughs> epistemological? What are you talking about? You told a lie. <laughs> a lie? A lie. What do you mean a lie? I mean you... <sighs> lied. <laughs> Uh, yes, I know this is a difficult concept to get across to a politician. Ah, yes, you did not tell the truth. <laughs> so you get it there. That, that's part of it. If you've not seen the series, that's kind of what happens. The, uh, Sir Humphrey manages to explain something that is very simple. You've told something that's not true in a very complicated way. Uh, and eventually when he says something quite simple, you lied... Jim Hacker looks confused. What do you mean? See, he doesn't want to apply it to his situation. He doesn't want to be faced with the fact that actually he's lied. It's not what he wants to hear. Uh, and I, that's what can happen for us with the Christian faith as well. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is hard teaching. Who can accept it? Who can accept it? Who can apply it to their lives in the way it's going to affect them? You see, it's recognizing that there is a cost that comes with following Jesus. The people who were there who were thinking maybe Jesus is going to be this political figure. We're going to get behind him. We're going to follow him because we're going to be right at the vanguard of this new movement that happens. And we're going to be uh, well in with the new leader. And now seeing that that's not the way that Jesus is going. Uh, and actually, the way that he's going is going to be unpopular amongst the religious leaders. It's going to be unpopular uh, for perhaps the Roman authorities, for Herod, who is king. There's going to be a cost in following Jesus. There's going to be a cost. Do they want to go that way? And people start turning back. You see, the reality is for us, 
of following Jesus, there will be times where as we read Scripture, it challenges us in the way that we live our lives. Uh, And it means we're going to need to change the way that we do things. Uh, And the question that we have to then answer is, if that's what we're being challenged through Scripture, what are we going to do about it? And sometimes we can get to the point of saying, well, actually, I can't see how this can work in the life that I want to lead. And there are people who turn back because of that. Saying, actually, this isn't the life that I want to follow, so I'm not going to go in this direction. And the challenge for us is to say, we will go the same way as Jesus calls us as we follow him, even when it's hard and takes us to places where we don't want to go. Peter's amazing commitment and faith as he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. He says, yes, we will follow you. We don't get everything that's going to happen. He doesn't understand at this stage that Jesus has to die and rise again. It's going to be a rocky path. And let me take you to the end of the gospel as well, after Jesus has been raised from the dead. And he meets with Peter again, and he places a new call on Peter's life. And as he says to him, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, there's a moment where this is what Jesus says in John 21, 18 to 19. Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by, Peter, by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. You know, so what he's saying to Peter is, look, actually, you're going to die for following me. Follow me. There's a tremendous cost to what he's being called to do. Uh, And actually, this is what I like. I like to understand not only what I'm supposed to do, but understand how it fits in nicely with my life to feel good about it. But the reality of the Christian faith is that there are times where we have to live with the mystery of faith, and also there are times where we have to walk to places where we would not choose to go, but we need to keep the faith as we go. Because Jesus says to you, and he says to me, follow me. And the answer is, are we going to go? Well, the question is, are we going to go? And we have to answer that for ourselves. What are we going to do. You see, sometimes we want faith to be easy. We want faith to be easily understood. But it's not always like that. But Jesus says, follow me. What's your answer today? Are you going to live with the mystery of faith? Are you going to live and go forward even when it's hard and it's not a place you want to go? Are you going to say yes to Jesus when he says, follow me? When he says to the disciples in this passage, you don't want to leave too, do you? Maybe there are times where we want to turn back. The question is, are we going to? Or will we keep 
on going forward? What's your answer today?